0: And it's so good to see all of you here this evening. Almost said this morning. This evening on this Christmas Eve Eve. Amen. I hope y'all are glad to be here. And I'm glad that you're here celebrating our Lord and Savior Jesus with us tonight. Amen. Staying warm. My God, listen, I love the cold. I'm like, great. Let it get down to zero. That way I can wear my pray my coat out the closet. You know what I'm saying? I can listen. For somebody who likes to wear, you know, decent clothes, I'm like, wintertime is the best. That's the best. You get the best outfits in the winter, right? Okay. All right. Got a few fashionistas in here. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take your Bibles. Go to the book of Matthew chapter number one. Amen. Matthew chapter number one. And as Archer said, my name is Corey Butler. I'm the lead pastor here at The Rock Church. And for our first-time guests, thank you so much for joining us and worshiping with us this evening. Amen. It's, it's an honor to have you. And I hope that you will join us again. Uh, we won't be having service this particular Sunday. Uh, I, w- I want you all to stay home. Enjoy your families. Enjoy your um, your friends, if it's friends. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy opening the presents. Enjoy it. Um, and we're going to be right back. Um January 1st for our New Year's Day service. New Year's Day. We won't be having a New Year's Eve service, but we will be here New Year's Day, January 1st. Amen? Amen. 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 So Matthew chapter number one, verse number, I'm going to read verses 18 through 21 of Matthew chapter number one. Amen. Amen. I be saying I'm not going to be long and then Archer says, stop saying that because you say that and then you preach for 40 minutes and then it'd be the regular time. (laughs) Amen. So Matthew chapter number eight, uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter one, excuse me. Starting at verse number 18. And it says this, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother was engaged. His mother, Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place while she was still a virgin, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen. Amen. And tonight, just for just a few moments, I want to talk to you about the Uncommon King. The Uncommon King. And For the last few months, uh, honestly, most of the fall, since about October, we've been in this teaching series called Uncommon, and we really looked heavily at the life of Gideon. And a few months ago... Um, I, I begin to, I, I begin to hear another pastor. He was talking about how Jesus's name was a common name. He wasn't the only person The name Jesus is from the Hebrew. Yeshua means the savior, the Lord saves, right? Just like in the, in the old Testament, Joshua is a similar type of name. And so his name in itself, he was talking about this, His pastor. And as he began to talk about that, I began to think about the, all the things about Jesus that are common and uncommon. And it began to fall right in line with this particular teaching that we have been doing for the past few months about how God will use uncommon people in uncommon places to do uncommon things and to accomplish his purpose. And as I thought about this, the uncommon king, I thought about all the things that about Jesus's life that were actually very ordinary. There are actually a lot of things about his life that were pretty regular, that were pretty common, that were pretty normal. For example, his father, Joseph, Joseph wasn't a king. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't rich. He didn't have fame or fortune. He wasn't any other things that you would think a savior would be born to, right? Joseph was a regular man working, as the Bible says, as a carpenter. Even some theologians would say that type of carpentry was more like stonemasonry. They did type stonework. He was a regular man working his nine to five, or better yet, maybe even a business owner, right? He was a regular guy. Joseph, uh, Jesus' father Joseph was not a special man, not even a rabbi, not even a Pharisee, not even a teacher of the religious law, but a regular man working a regular job. Any men working regular? Okay. I ain't, I ain't regular. I'm, my job is exceptional. And the reason it's exceptional is because I'm there. Amen. Okay. All right. <laughs> and so Joseph, he was an ordinary man. Not anything special. Even to the point where you see in this passage where the Bible says when he found out that Mary was pregnant, he did what most men in here would do if you was engaged to a woman and you found out she was pregnant and you hadn't been with her. He said, oh, this is over with. Okay, everybody's quiet. Anybody say nothing. But if your, okay, go to the marriage folk. If your wife, when you was engaged, would have said, I'm pregnant by the Holy Ghost. You would have said, oh, no, get my ring back. Get my stuff. Get my stuff. You and the Holy Ghost, go get married. Okay, God, I wish you and the Holy Ghost the best. I think the Holy Ghost's name might be John. I think his name might be Terry. I think his name might be Bill. Okay, let me get back on that. I'm not going to be long tonight. So Joseph was an ordinary man. And he responded to the situation like an ordinary man would respond. Amen. And so there was not anything necessarily exceptional about him. Even his mother, Mary, was an ordinary young lady. During this time period, she would have more than likely been a teenager because this was the custom of the day that they got married very young. They weren't living very long, so they got married very young. She would have been just a young girl, just a teenager, maybe 13, 14, 16, just a regular girl from a regular family, not from a rich family, not from, from notoriety or any of that, just a regular girl with a regular guy about to get married and start a family. What about that is exceptional? All of that is actually pretty common, even now to where he was born in Bethlehem. This means the house of bread. Bethlehem was about is about five to six miles south of Jerusalem, a regular place. Just a It's like somebody saying, "I'm from Fayetteville." It's like, "Well, okay, that's right." All right, you know, I'm Fayetteville in the house. Okay. I was talking to a guy for work the other day, and I had to ask him about. I was like, "Hey, what's your mailing address? Like, where do you live? What's your address? So I could take notes." And he told me he lived in it's some city called Kiki or something. I said, "That's in North Carolina." I said, "What's that near? What? Where's that near? Oh, it's near Greensboro. Oh, okay. So you from the middle of nowhere near Greensboro, right? You, Lord Jesus." You do met somebody like that. Where you from? Oh, what's that? That's near Charlotte. OK, because I don't, I don't know where that's at. And they all they're real excited about where they're from. But you're like, I don't know that. That's a regular place to be. Right. This is what it was for Jesus. Born in Bethlehem, a city just south of the big city, Jerusalem. Born in a regular place, an ordinary common place. And I said all that to say even more, he was raised as a Jewish boy. Typical for his time period. He went on to take on the profession of his father. My dad's a pastor. Here I am, another pastor. Typical. Nothing about this was extraordinary. All of this was actually very common and very regular, even down to the point where most of his life, we don't even know what happened between the ages of 12 years old and 30. Kept his head down, worked his job at his dad's business. We know nothing about him until he starts ministry. I say all that to say it was a lot about Jesus that was common. There was a lot about his life that was regular and ordinary. But what it shows us, too, is how God is able to still, as we've been talking about, take an ordinary man with an ordinary past, with an ordinary life, with an ordinary set of parents, just two regular people and do an extraordinary thing. And so you may ask, well, Corey, that's a great pitch to serve Jesus, just an ordinary person. Why should I give my life for him? Why should I sacrifice everything? Why should I get out of a relationship to be closer to him? Why should I move over here when he tells me to move? Why Why should I turn from sin? Why I like sinning. Sinning is actually all right. Why should I? What's, what makes it so special? Why should I give up everything to follow him? And why did 12 men decide to leave everything to follow him? They had businesses. They were doctors. They had stuff. They had, they had money. They had families and wives and children. What was so special that made them leave everything to follow a man who, for all we know, for at least you know, 30 years, Ordinary. And this is the thing. We see this in the text here in verse number 21. And there's so many things we could say, but I'm gonna tell you three of them. Verse 21 it says, and she will have a son. Mary, she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the first thing is that the saving power of Jesus is unmatched. The saving power of Jesus is unmatched. There is the Bible says only one way to the Father. There is only one name that we can call that has saving power. There is only one name, as the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, it says, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is only one, ah, Lord Jesus, let let me call, there is only one name that we can call that He says, when you find yourself in a dark place, when you find yourself in a broken place, when you find yourself in a hurting place, when you, fi- when you find yourself suicidal, he said, there's one name that you can call and he has saving power to snatch us out of it. What makes him so special is that he is the only hope that we have to come from darkness to light. What makes him so special with all of those ordinary things I just named is that when you call his name and place your faith in him, he says this thing, he comes with a power like nobody else has. What makes him so special is he's the only one with this kind of saving power. He's the only one with this type of transforming power. He's the only one with this type of mind-renewing power. This is the only one with this type of delivering power. Because there's a lot of names we could call. If I got in trouble, I could call Mr. Art. I could call Archer. I could call Miss Tara. I could call Verte. But he said there's only one name that you call that a power begins to rise up and to come to your defense like no other. And that is the name of Jesus. He said what makes him uncommon and what makes him the uncommon king is first that his saving power is unmatched never been seen before never been tried like never never have been tested before like like you like you trying to never never have been defeated before he said his saving power is unmatched this is what makes him uncommon because ain't nobody else you can call like this ain't nobody else that you can depend on like this that when you call on the Bible says that if you call on the name of the Lord it says he will answer you And he will save us and he will transform us from darkness to light. What makes him so special, what makes him so uncommon is his saving power. And if you've ever been unsaved and if you've ever been in a dark place and if you've ever been in a defeated place and if you've ever been in an addicted place and if you've ever been in a terrible place in a valley place and you've called that name, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I would hope, I think about this as a father, that I hope that if anything I can impart to my children is that if you get in the valley, call on Jesus. I might not be there. I hope I may. I hope I can be there. I hope I live till I'm 99 and a half years old. But just in case I'm not there, hopefully we can impart to them, call on Jesus. Before you call your granddad, call on Jesus. Before you call Gigi, call on Jesus. Before you call Grandma V and Grandpa Nate, those are my parents. Before you call them, call on Jesus. Because his saving power first is unmatched. This is the next thing here. Y'all can say amen if I'm preaching good. Amen. Amen. This, This is the next thing here. Is that not only is his saving power unmatched, but his presence is unavoidable. His presence is unavoidable. We see this later on in the text in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 where it says, and he's quoting from the Old Testament. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. God with us. His presence with us, his power with us. His presence is unavoidable. Jesus is God with us and he is never leaving us nor forsaking us. And I thought about this. There are a lot of other gods that people may try to serve. Little G gods. People, you know, serve their job. People serve money. People serve Buddha. People serve Allah. All these. There's a lot of other gods that people may try to serve. But there's only one that's God with us. There's only one that says I'm with you through all of that. I'm not leaving you or forsaking you, even to the point where the Holy Spirit with us, if we even, when we start to obey God, he says, I don't leave you, but I'm grieved inside of you. He said, I'm still with you even when you go into mess. I'm just tore up about it. (laughs) I'm still with you. I ain't leaving you, but I'm just tore up at you over there. I'm just tore up that I see you talking like that. I'm just tore up that I see you out there with them when I told you to leave him alone. He said, I'm still not leaving you though. I'm just grieved and tore up and kind of like, come on, you better than this. He says, I'm still with you, though, because his presence is unavoidable, living in our hearts, making his presence known and able to be accessed at any moment, at any day and any time. Even the psalmist, he said, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He says, every single day you get up, my presence is following you. My goodness is walking with you. My glory is going with you every step of the way because my presence is unavoidable. You couldn't shake it if you tried. The Bible says this in Psalm 139. It says this, this is the psalmist he said about God in verse number seven. He says, this is NLT, he says, I can never escape your spirit. He says, I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. Well, we expect that right. But he says this, if I go down to the grave, you are also there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me. And your strength will support me." he says, even there, wherever there is, he says, I'm there. I thought about this a few years ago. as I man we got know we got some military veterans in the house. My wife is one of them. And when she deployed to Afghanistan a few years ago while she was still serving, I, as a husband, and we were we, we'd only been married about a year or so. As a husband, I started to feel a lot of you know angst because I'm like, I can't protect her over there." I can't protect her in Afghanistan. I can't. What, what if she going to a war zone? This is my wife. What if something happens to her, right? And this is one of the scriptures that the Lord spoke to me. If God is my witness, he said, Corey, even there, <laughs> he said, even in a war zone, even in Afghanistan, even in Iraq, even in Vietnam, even in the foxhole, even in the fob, even in the base, even on Bagram, even wherever he said, e-, that's what he spoke. He said, Corey. Don't you forget, even there, I'm still with her, even there, I'm still protecting her, even there, I'm still looking out for her, you don't have to worry about this, trust me, I love her more than you could ever even realize, and trust me when I tell you, even there, Corey, I got her, I'm protecting her, and I'm watching out for her because his presence, unavoidable, we can't shake it if we try because he says, even there, my God, because uh, there could be a lot of places, my God, we have been in a lot of, we have been in a lot of stuff, we have been in a lot of junk, we have been in a lot of highs and a lot of lows, and he says, even there, I like this text, he says, your hand will guide me. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil, why? Because God, you are with me. The shepherd is with us, even there, because he says, My presence is unavoidable. This is what makes Jesus so special, because he says, My saving power is unmatched, and my presence is unavoidable. And this is the last thing. We're going to wrap this up. The last thing is that the love of Jesus is unconditional and unchanging <laughs> and unexplainable in a lot of ways. And, 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 and <laughs> he says, the, my, the love of Christ, the love of Jesus is unconditional. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5. Verse number two, it says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And in a world full of conditions, in a world full of stipulations, in a world full of, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. In a world of conditional love. He says there's one thing you don't have to worry about, and that's my love changing on you. That's my love going phony on you. He loved us enough to come to the earth. He loved us enough to die for us. He loved us enough to take the form of a human man. He loved us enough to pull us out of the dark and into the light. And I love to I love to say that too, because sometimes we we like to use the love of God as an excuse to you know act a fool. But God loves us enough to tell you, you tripping, let me get you out of that. Come on, come on. He loves us enough to tell us, you're better than that. Loves us enough to tell us the truth. And loves us enough to send people into our lives to tell us the truth. To say, I love you so much that I'm going to send your grandmama to say, boy, what you doing with that? Send your mama to say, hey, I thought about you today. What you doing? Right? When you about to, I ain't doing that mama. I know nobody's smoking here, and y'all have never smoked anything in your life, so I don't think I'm talking to this. For the online people that have smoked, okay, amen. Uh, <laughs> he loved us enough to send people. Have you? Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm to be, let me be too, I'm gonna be too honest. You ever been about to do something crazy, and your text going, hey, what, are you, what you doing? You ain't talking to me in two months. Like, how you know to call me right now? I know that's not, never happened to any of y'all. That's just me. You ever been about to act a fool and do something crazy? You in the wrong place? And then somebody call you ain't talked to you you're like you know I was just thinking about you. That's the first day they say. I was just thinking about you. Everything all right? Y'all ever had somebody call you like that? Right, right when you about to right wherever, whatever, whatever is right when you about to cross over your phone ring. And they say I was I was you know and look, see, don't Lord, they get you good when they be like you know I was praying <laughs> you know I was praying and your name came up. I'm like Lord, you done told them everything. They know everything. They know to call me right now. But that is indeed the love of God to say, I know you and I see you. And this is the thing. I love you enough to send somebody to warn you, to say, whatever you're about to get into, whatever whatever you're about to say, whatever you're about to attach yourself to, don't do it. That's not worth it. And God loves us enough to do that. He don't love us enough just to enable our nonsense. Just to say, oh, I love you. Just keep on wild. No, no, no. I love you enough to say. You are better than that. His love is unconditional. This is one of the things that makes our Jesus so uncommon because we have many of us that our love is, it has some conditions on that thing. It has some conditions. If you come, I, I love you, but if you come in and keep punching me in my face, oh, well, wait a minute now. Hey, we're going to have to, I do love you, but we're going to have to make some changes here because I'm only going to take one of those and then I'm going to sick Mr. Art on you and uh, we're going to have to deal with that. Amen? But what I'm saying is that His love is so unconditional that even through our ups and our downs, he sticks with us to transform us and to change us. This is one of the things, the last thing of many things that we could say. We could preach for an hour. I could put you up to preach for the next 40 minutes. What makes Jesus so uncommon, his saving power unmatched, his presence unavoidable, and his love for us unconditional. This is what made at least 12 men and more, and millions, and possibly billions of people say, I'll, this is what makes people say, I'll give up everything to follow him. This is what made the disciples, I'll give up everything. Yeah, I got a wife and kids, but following this man is worth it. Even though he was regular, even though in a lot of ways from what we see of the text, there's a lot we don't know, he lived an ordinary life. But there was something, a few things that made it worth it to give it all to follow him. And this is what makes him our uncommon king. Amen. 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 Come on, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Jesus, we thank you. We honor you and we love you, God, for your presence in this place today. Father, I pray, God, and I thank you for being our, as we just said, uncommon king. And God, I thank you, God, that you're a God who's been doing uncommon things in our lives. You've been doing uncommon transformations, uncommon miracles, uncommon deliverance, God. And I thank you,